Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 145 of Fluid Wrestling Radio Live. I'm your host, Christian Piles. Joined, as always, by my mainest man and my favorite one percenter in the world. The one, the only, white collar Willie Sailor. Willie. How are you this morning? How is your portfolio looking? Wonderful and quite diversified. Quite diverse, strong to quite strong. As always, and Willie, we've got a lot to get into. We had a big old day yesterday, but I think we got to start. I mean, and technically I'm contractually obligated to start as of uh, your new position to begin with kind of just a moment of of respect and and admiration to you. So let's check in with the greatest... Okay, okay. The self-proclaimed greatest fantasy po- football player of all time. How did you do this week? Uh, I went one and one. One and one. So you won one. Which Who beat you? You did. No. Willie. <laughs> well, we're going to so talk humble. about – you're going you're gonna to talk about a game? You're going to talk about one game or you're going to talk about a season? You're going to talk about last season? Let's talk about the season. What's your season record? How about, how about last season? Let's talk about this season. I'm going to live in the moment. So the okay. greatest don't fantasy... Talk, don't talk about last year when I won your division. Listen, if um, if I'm the greatest basketball player of all time, uh, I'm not going to be losing. I, I, I self... Um, As a self-faced... I, I told you that I wasn't this year. So you're, I'm uh, not even in tune. Not even in tune. I'm not even in tune with fantasy football. So if you want to take... If you want to take your victory, that's nice. So when Willie wins, he's the greatest, and when that's he loses, like, uh, when he when Willie loses, oh, I'm not trying. It, don't you love that guy at I the didn't playground? Say, I didn't say I'm not trying. Don't I you love I'm that not, guy I'm at not, the playground? I'll tell you, my other league, I'm the highest score in the league. Oh, okay. So you care from league to league? That's interesting. Well, the other league is actually a real league. Like you pay oh, money to get into. Here we go. Here we go. Two hundred dollar entry fee auction. What about last? Not for boys. No, not th- for little. Not what about for little kids. what about this this league you referenced? Like you keep talking about the league last year. That was free last year. Mm-hmm. So you cared last year when it was also free. yeah, okay. also stupid. They let everybody in the playoffs. That was interesting. I think I still didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's a lot to get into on the periphery of wrestling. Um, Tell me about these clowns though, like the like real clowns. I I I am completely unaware. I walk in this morning. And Christian and Ryan, both being East Coasters, represent. Tell me that there's there's clown problems on the East Coast. There's major. clowns <laughs> terrorizing major cities. No, not major not cities. Not major cities. Like like my kind of cities, like rednecks dressing up as clowns. Except for a guy that's from not where far from where I'm from, named Bravado, who is 
not not a uh, <laughs> not a farmer or a redneck type of dude. But anyways, people are are just wearing clown costumes. I everyone knows about this. I'm pretty sure. I'm surprised you didn't. Um, yeah, I leave heard about I this. leave the East Coast for two months. Uh, turn around, we got a clown problem on our hands. As soon as you leave. As soon as I leave, in, in an insane clown posse, as it were. You know, you want in the Shenandoah Valley? Not it's, are they like in the countryside? Are they like in the woods? Um, no. But yeah, they're in the countryside. They're just standing on the side of roads, just creeping people out. I said, I was like, I tried to sound tough this morning to to Ryan and Kyle. I was like, if I ever saw a clown d- doing that, I would punch him right in the face. And I was like, unless it's nighttime, I was like, that'd be pretty scary. <laughs> to kind of walk that back a little bit. But yeah, you know, I, I we were gonna name. My son Caleb, something different, but his initials would have been ICP, and I was like, "Well, I'm not gonna name him that because that'd be That's terrible. That's a terrible, terrible." You name him Isaac. Uh, Isaiah. Isaiah Caleb Piles. It's not bad, but except ICP. Except he'd be a juggalo. All right. <sighs> Enough. There's four minutes. Now we're just gonna dive in headfirst to the stuff we dove into yesterday. If you haven't seen yet. Please do check out uh, our article about the the corruption at the Olympic Games and what we saw unfold. Everyone watched Rezi Azdani, Ketag Gazimov, and everyone watched Gomez Navruzov, and we knew we knew there was corruption and we knew there was unsavory stuff going on. At that point in time, we didn't realize the expanse of the mm-hmm. corruption how widespread it was, how uh, systematically this was put in place by Antonio Silvestri. That's what people didn't realize, and that's what we've been working on since since the Olympics ended. We've been working on this. Yeah, I mean, you could see during, you could see during the Olympics a little bit that, you know, we, we watch every, every, you know, wrestling fans watch every tournament, and they're like... Bad call, terrible call. Oh my god, that's a bad call. And there's bad calls in this world. But when you watched at Rio, you, you could you could tell, experienced people could tell that there's a little bit more going on than just bad calls, and the groups of people that were involved. Like, you know, we're just watching watching the Olympics and like, oh, oh, there's that guy. That's the guy that was on the last bad call, right? You were yep. watching this, and yep. then we see, you know. People on the jury holding down paddles. We saw that very plainly, very clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, you can you can see people arguing. You know, the juries saying, "Hey, wait, this," and and arguing for this call, and they won't allow it. And so you knew that there was something a little bit uh, greater going on than just poor officiating. And once we had the time to catch our breath, Christian and these guys um, dug into the numbers and. What they found was very interesting. It's uh, very damning numbers and re- basically irrefutably point to Silvestri um, being the, the one who orchestrated it. But, but more than anything, anyone with a brain can put two and two together and see that this Italian-born German official has no reason whatsoever to just put this into motion in, just independently, just on his own. A, a guy that rises to the ranks that he did, which you have to be fairly respected and fairly uh, well-regarded in the official community, which I don't know what that actually means to be well-regarded in this official's community, but I digress. You don't get to that point and, and just all of a sudden on the sports biggest stage 
decide to orchestrate something. Th- this is something that clearly was there was other players there was other players involved there was outside influences more powerful than Silvestri that that set this into motion and that is that is very clear so while Silvestri becomes it was the initial target of our um, article what 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 you have to realize and what you have to acknowledge is that it it goes far beyond it and he is guilty and he messed up and he should never have his position again he should never officiate another match or be involved ever again in any capacity whatsoever. However, you've got to acknowledge that there is more um, more going on. And that's maybe a frustrating point and and but at the same time maybe the the real point of producing this article is that anybody that reads the article should understand that it goes deeper and realistically we're not going to find out about it. Uh, we're not going to have, we're not going to have evidence uh, staring us in the face that says this person paid this person. Yeah, off. there won't be a paper this, trail, right? But UWW, it should be incumbent upon them to research this. You you know it was kind of, you know I love wrestling and it, it really rewatching and doing this article it like. Not just reopened a wound, but it was like worse watching it when you know that this was orchestrated. And you see Reza Yazdani laugh. Go back and watch. They're all available. The the, the matches are all available on NBC. Go back and watch now knowing that these matches were rigged and see see how your perception changes changes when when you know that this match was, you know, it was already fixed. It's like like Yazdani's face like, huh. Like, to not be outraged and just be like, oh, you got me. But like, oh, I get it. Like, it was a total laugh. Like, I get what's going on here. Okay, I see. I see how this is going to be. And, and, and to see Franklin Gomez. And Belly Nook was the same way. Yeah, but I don't know. Uh, a lot of people talked about that Belly Nook match. I wa- went back and rewatched it. There's a massive conflict of interest. And in what we're talking about is the 85-kilogram Greco-Roman final. There's a massive conflict of interest that Timo Kazarishvili, a Georgian, okay, is on the mat with David Chakvatadze. A, a Russian that's actually a, a Georgian. Georgian. A Georgian. Um, and who else, is a, who else is a Russian that's actually a Georgian? Mami Ashvili. There you go. Yeah. So anyways, so that, that in the deed was not quite as bad, poorly officiated as the others, though Kazarishvili stands out. But with, like, Gomez Navruzov, to see Franklin, like, when the match is over, him just, like, He's like almost embracing Navruzov, and Navruzov's just kind of ready to come up and get his hand checked. And you see Gomez with his head down, just holding onto the arm, just like not wanting to let go. It was like literally you're watching the his dream like come out of his hand. It just like slipped through the cracks, just like it did in, in this match. It was so, uh, it was so frustrating. And to know that our sport is under such an incredible microscope right now. Um, as far as the Olympic program is concerned, that these idiots, these criminals, would jeopardize our sport's future and standing in the Olympic program, knowing we just got off the chopping block. And the very next Olympics, this is the stunt they pull. This is what this is what they decide to do. This is what um, people in power do. Well, th- it goes back. We said it from from Jump Street. We said we loved what UWW was doing, but they're leaving people like Mommy Shvili in place. That doesn't make sense. 
And ultimately, look, <laughs> draw whatever conclusion. We, I, I don't like again. We don't. I don't have evidence. We don't have evidence. It was Mamishvili, and it was a couple other guys, and that'll come out uh, hopefully eventually. But um, you can't leave those guys. Th those guys are uh, ruining everything good that UWW any momentum that they had. Yeah, one hundred percent. They're they're. They are. They're, they're killing our momentum. Uh, wrestling made a fool of itself during the Olympics. Do you realize that? The, all, all the people think about are the Mongolian stripping and the, the, the officiated, uh, the officials that were ejected. They're, they're not talking about Helen. Um, and part of that's NBC's fault from burying that story. But there's a lot of other reasons. Um, they're, they're talking about the bad things in wrestling and us embarrassing ourselves and us uh, UWA supposedly cleaning house and this rebrand and and it doesn't matter. It's the same. It's the same thing unless we see different fruit. This is the fruit they're producing and it stinks and it's rotten. And there there have to be massive changes in place. Otherwise, our our sports in real jeopardy. The Olympics are a fraud. They're fake. The Olympics were fake, Willie. Fake. They're, if they weren't fake because of the officiating, they were fake because. Uh, of the the PED situation that's been enabled and allowed to happen, and you know what? Probably eight, four, eight years from now, we're gonna have gold medalists stripped, and we're giving out fake medals from 2008. Now we're giving out silver medals from 2008, popping these guys eight years later. As it, if, as, as if, if that matters, right? As if that makes everything better. Well, you know, if they test, you know, we'll just we'll figure it out eight years from now when we retest the samples. Yeah. Basically, you're saying what happened at the Olympics the other year, uh, that didn't really count. That didn't, really didn't matter. That's, you can't retroactively clean it up and say, well, you know, we did what we did our duty. Yeah. No, how about you have it clean right now? How about the Olympics matter right now? Yeah, yeah. That's like, um, that's like going on a vacation to Disney World and your, your kid gets in trouble and be like, hey, we did not go to Disney World. So just erase that memory. It didn't happen. That's basically what they're doing when they're, when they're pulling these medals. Um, so it, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of big problems and one thing you know and we 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 said this in the article but just make sure you know that all this information is available. This isn't like you know leaked documents or like uh, super inside information. Watch the matches, okay? Go to rio2016.com. You can see the, the results. Listen, guys, when you click on the results on rioolympics.com, they tell you who the officials were. Right. They tell you who the refereeing body was. Um, look it up. Take take the time. Uh, you know, check our facts, and they're gonna, they're going to be found to be right. And um, you know, you you know, I would hope that the entire uh, document would just be released by United World Wrestling, just for transparency's sake. Yeah, look, this is what it is. We have this. We're aware. So far, no response from United World Wrestling. I and I understand there's a lot to sort through there. They have a lot to. Um, figure out before they probably respond, but and you had been in communication with Silvestri before. I had, yes. I so it's funny. So Silvestri, the the chief referee, I had a concern about an official um, that I won't name, and and I brought it to someone, and that someone referred me to Antonio, and so we had this back and uh, a little back and forth, and he's like, um, "Yes, I've taken your hint. Um, we're gonna. I'll just read it." How about that? Um, just put it on the news. I'll just put it on the news. Let's read what he wrote. So without getting into the the official and what what all she said. 
Dear Christian, thanks your, for your important observations and your hint to me. Things like this may help us get better and stop undesirable things like this. We already warned all referees about such issues and explained to all referees during our courses and during the championships that such behavior is unacceptable. One of the actions out of this, as cur correctly described, is to guarantee a clean field of play at the mm. Olympic Games. Mm. Even when I was not in Tashkent two years ago, we know that the field of play was not organized in the best way. Uh, again, thanks for your comment and the pictures, and uh, I will discuss this with the ref personally. Best regards, Antonio Silvestri. So, we're, we're, pre we're pretty tight, Tony and I. You guys are boys. Mr. T. Uh, but he didn't hit me back. He did he didn't hit me back. I tried to slide he into his... Hit, he didn't hit you back this time. I hit him with an email. Tried to slide into his DMs. Facebook. Radio silence from, from, from Big Tony. So, make it that what you will. And um, I have no sympathy for him. Because you know what? If you're in a position of power, uh, I, I expect you to, to have bravery. And he didn't have it. And um, he, put our, he put our sport... He put our he put our sport at jeopardy. Can you out of fear? Can you explain for I don't know maybe somebody that didn't read the article or somebody that did, um, just to clarify what the problem was, what Silvestri did. Now Silvestri, Silvestri is the the chief chief referee referee for UWW for the Olympic Games, and he assigns so the chief referee assigns the officials to the match to the mats. He he assigns them yes. And what was wrong with that process? Well, what's wrong with that process is that three – so t take it like this. There's 50 officials. Ten or 11 have very suspect usage rates in that they were used to officiate an inordinate and un a preposterous amount of three different countries, Russia, Azerbaijan, and Uzbekistan. And the numbers are, are basically statistically – one of the stats is – the probability of this happening randomly or without like jockeying is less than one in a million. Okay, so these are kind of numbers. It's just, it's impossible. But yet we saw the. Okay, so to put it in simple terms, we saw Silvestri apply the same crew or the same key components of crews to the same mats to work together repeatedly. Repeatedly and which, repeatedly. And, and which was. Is not supposed <coughs> to be the process, right? There's a guy, you know, Cernic. Um, he did three. He was the chair for three of Sajalayev's matches, and, and many of those matches were implicated. Um, Kate Gazumov, and that was another thing. They kind of got like ushered through the tournament. You know, they had a rigged official in round one, round two, quarters, semis, finals. Um, so that that was that was kind of what they did, and it's so it's tough to lay it out there in in quickly you know there's just so many layers to what they did but bare bones three countries were given particular refs at an incredible rate at a rate that is uh inexplicable and points to points to clear clear corruption okay um, now there'll be more to come on this but how are you feeling about your safety <sighs> so so this article comes out and literally first of all Big shout to Kale Sanderson for being the one guy to tweet at me and not be like, nice job, LOL, you're going to die. Because that's basically what everyone has been either texting or tweeting to me. Um, like, 
You better hire a bodyguard. Break out the bodyguards. Hopefully Mommy Shvili hasn't engineered one of those accidents that would fall upon Christian Piles. Has anyone checked on Christian Piles lately? We'll make sure he's not swimming with the fishes. He's going to have a massive heart attack here soon. Um, you know, text after text, tweet after tweet. Guys, why are you doing this to me? I got kids. It's, it's, you, should, you should tell me everything's going to be all right. Don't tell me I'm going to get whacked. You're not going to get whacked. Do you know that? Are you, are you telling us to not? Are you telling people not to say that you're gonna get whacked, I or are you scared? I don't think it's funny. It's kind of funny, but it's, it's a, funny. You're it, not gonna get killed. We can't give get give me a break. I know, but they could kill me. You know. Listen, put it this way. Put it this way. I'm not signing up for that Budapest non-Olympic worlds coverage. Oh, you're going. No, well, I'm not. How about World Cup in Tehran? <laughs> I Tehran. You know what, Iran. Those guys are honest. They don't cheat. They they're not they're not in on it. They were they were the victims. I would I would probably be safer in Iran than than France or Hungary or Russia. <laughs> Baku. You're not gonna. You're not, there's not a hit out on you. Give me a break. Yeah, yeah the, I don't, I don't think so either. I don't think I'm not. I really don't think so. But it's like you kind of like come on. That's ridiculous. It's not gonna. Nothing is gonna happen to me. But then like when 150 people say it. It's like, all right, guys. We get to the low-hanging fruit. It's an easy up. joke. I guess it is. I guess it is. Well, I don't live in Russia. I'm not scared. I ain't hard to find either. All right. Wimp. These are bullies. You know what? You know what bullies are? They're freaking wimps. They don't like the it. They don't like. Wimps? Yeah, yeah. They attack the weak. Well, I don't know if they've seen these pythons recently. I don't, know if, I don't know if they've been watching me do these pull-ups, but I, I, I've been. Uh, I'm not weak. I'm not low-hanging fruit, okay? So what what next, Christian? What comes out of this next? What's the next process? What's the next step? The next process. Well, United World Wrestling needs to respond. They have this information. They know what happened. And it's incumbent upon them to figure out how this happened and, and do whatever they can to make sure it doesn't happen again. And everyone knows what that means. Everyone what, knows that means you have to get certain people out of power. What's realistic? I mean, like, at every turn, at every turn, we kind of know what the logical thing and and the moral thing and the commonsensical thing to do is, but we always throw our hands up on the actual decision. We're, we're always let down, right? Every time they, every time there's an issue, every time there's a decision to be made. We're like, well, that's what UW, you know, well, Mongolia, a stupid ban. Then when the Russian thing happens with the punch, or, you know, slapping of the wrath, same thing. Every time there's an issue, we kind of see it coming. And so what, what do we think is going to happen here? Do we really think that Silvestri will be removed? Do we really think that these officials will be will be lifetime ban do we really think they'll go deeper and investigate on their own uh on their own will to investigate mommy really and so on and so forth and Raziev and everybody else uh do you have confidence that they'll do this uh, i'm i'm gonna show patience that's what i'm gonna do i've been told that patience is, is important and that i sh- we we should there is a process in play and there are ethical people that are hopefully going to be tasked with, with making an important decision. And you know what? 
to to my maybe it's foolish and I do this, but I'm I'm actually going to be optimistic that maybe this is a final shot. Maybe because this article is everywhere and and got seen by everyone. Um, maybe this will be a part of the pressure. And there's a lot of pressure outside. And there were, and I'm going to tell you this right now. This is not the first UWW leadership has heard about this. There have been back channel powers complaining about this, that know about this, that have been lobbying for change and have been... The problem, though, comes... You have... You have unsavory people ruling on unsavory people. Mm -hmm. So, I I don't know. Forgive me if I feel that I would be naive um, to expect a, a logical... A logical outcome, uh, a moralistic outcome, an outcome that, an outcome that, at the end of the day, goes okay. We clean something up, other than brush something under the rug, uh, have a sacrificial lamb. I've already been, you know, I've had people say to me over the course of the last two years, um, "Willie, you love UWW. You love it now. You make excuses for them. You're like a you're like a talking head for them. You let them off the hook. You you." Uh, Hey, I, I was bought in. When the regime change came, I was bought in. I liked what they were doing. I knew it wasn't going to um, happen overnight, but I liked the progress they were doing, and, and now I seem silly. Well, I don't think you seem silly. I mean, the things we were, the things we were defending and in support of were things that were actually about wrestling, like the rules, like criteria, which that's a big, big argument. Um, the presentation, you know, the, their digital presence on, on YouTube, etc. You know, there, there were things, and there still are things that were good that have happened. But, and these were the things we were kind of like, and even at the 2015 Worlds, there were only a couple, and boy, I would love to look at the assignments from 2015, but I don't think it happened. Um, there were some bad calls, but it was nothing like this. There was nothing like this. So we had reason. We had kind of been reinforced in our, we're going the right direction. 2015 Worlds were the best run world championships in the history of the sport. Do you guys mm-hmm. you guys realize that? That happened, okay? So that that's not easily done, and that requires a certain level of competence. Now, th- then this happens, and d- does it bring all my confidence to the ground? Does it Does it topple everything? Yeah, it actually did. It actually did. I really just don't have – I don't have confidence that it will be fixed, but I'll always be hopeful that, that something good will come from this and that, you know, there will be change. And I wish I wish America would just run everything. Well, the thing – yeah, I know. You know, they're, they're a little leery of that. They're a little leery of having, quote, unquote, too much American influence. The problem is that the Americans – I don't care – you're going to call me, you know, patriotic or whatever. The, the Americans are one with the character. Right. You know, I was over there a couple years ago, maybe three or four years ago, I was at an overseas tournament, and I was talking to, about this, <laughs> and I said, you know, it doesn't make sense, this doesn't make sense, this isn't fair, that isn't fair. And somebody that's been on the international circuit for years, you know what they said to me? They said, Willie, fairness is a wholly American value. Fairness is an American thing. Yeah. Overseas, it's win at all costs. Obviously. Obviously. Um, 
So, you know, they got uh, Stan Zezik on the UWW Bureau. That's one American. Um, I don't know what other I, – I, I wish Americans could run more, right? Yeah. Um, you know, they, they say about problem. you know, American uh, – you say 2015 was the World Championships in America, best run of World Championships ever. But, you know, they're not going to hold every – they're not going to hold every um, championships here, right? So, so you know, there's this is not the end of this story. There's going to continue to be more and more, and hopefully, uh, all we can do is hope that that some good comes of this with United World Wrestling. Um, I don't know. If you have questions, hit us up. Tweet at C Piles Eight and at Willie at Flow. Anything? Yeah, there is there is other good guys, uh, non American. Uh, uh, the bureau member from. Um, Brazil is a good guy. There's several good guys. There's several good guys on the bureau. But can they can they usurp the power from the, from the other guys? Can they outvote the other guys, right? And can they find a, a mechanism, quote unquote, to be put in place? Mm. Correct. All right, where do you want to go? Where do you want to go next? I uh, know where you don't want to go. Where? Any international tournament? No, I sure don't. Not Georgia. I'm not going to any of these places. You know what? You know I. <laughs> you know I messaged one of the refs. I found him on Facebook. You sh- guys, it's great. Just get on Facebook. Just search for Antonio Silvestri and just look at his pictures. You can find all these officials, many of the corrupted ones, many you of the implicated ones. You can it's it's fascinating. I felt it was like a YouTube deep dive, except you're just looking at this guy's pictures. Like, oh, there's that ref. There's that ref. There's that ref. It was really fun. And anyways, the worst one, Timo Kazarishvili, I found him on Facebook, and I told it. I just sent him a message. You are a cheater, and I know it. <laughs> <laughs> I was just so mad. You are a cheater, and I know it. Yeah, I know what you did last. And, or I said, and I know it for sure, or something like that. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. I was just like, I was just. So full of, I don't know, venom, venom towards towards these people. That'd be my code name, Venom. <laughs> venom. venom. All right, Venom. Let's let's. Uh, <laughs> oh, welcome to Flow Radio Live with White Collar Willie and Venom. <laughs> venom. Hey, is that that? Tell me that was an '80s hair band. I don't know. It probably was a WWE star or something. Probably. If it wasn't a WWE star. It was a hair band. Venom. Band. Okay. Um, I tweeted yesterday. I, I, I'd like to talk about your rankings oh. that came out the last couple of days. Absolutely. Venom um, does not look like a family-friendly band. The it one, was actually a band? Uh, yeah. Here's the their first song that pops up. is called Welcome to Hell. It's the live version. Can you find the studio? The acoustic set? No. Welcome yeah, we'll talk about hell. welcome to hell acoustic set and unplugged. Um, <laughs> so I want to talk about your rankings, but first, I don't know. Last night I kind of, uh, or two days ago, I kind of had a not an epiphany, but I realized that I realized I realized that my my overall thoughts on redshirting have changed, uh, especially mm. when you're a true freshman. Mm-hmm. Um. I used to be of the opinion that everybody should redshirt. No matter how blue your chip was, you should redshirt. Almost unless unless there were circumstances that 
we're we're you know a, a different set of circumstances. Um, I know what you're laughing at, Christian. What? Because you're looking around at people and they're all dressed up. Yeah, everyone's dressed. Everybody. Dressed everyone's up. dressed up here, including Willie. No, that's why I thought you were laughing at because. Yeah. I, I, I quote unquote dressed up, and I didn't even dress up yesterday. But now, everybody's dressed up. Will, all right, listen. I, I started a thing. You started a thing. Here's what. Here, but here, we'll, I'll let you get back into your red shit, red shirt. Per, excuse me, red shirt uh, point. But Willie will will roll up in here, sideways baseball flat bill cap, camo shorts, and a t-shirt. Ninety-nine times out of a hundred. Yesterday, this is true. yesterday this dude rolls up, nice jeans, nice boots, dress shirt, tucked in, looking nice, and everyone's like, "Whoa, what's going on?" And Willie acts like, "What? Huh. What do you mean? What do you mean?" I'm like, "What do we mean, Will- Willie? Normally you're wearing like uh, a limp biscuit shirt. Uh, you look like you look like the DJ. You look <laughs> like the DJ. You look shirt. like the DJ for Lincoln Park or something. And then you roll up looking like a uh, white collar Willie that you are, and." Do you expect people not to say anything? We're going to say something. Uh, yeah, I know, but it got – every person said it. Well, how could we not? How could we not? All right. Anyways, you don't you, – your, cha- your thoughts on red shirt have changed. Yeah, I, I thought everybody used to – I used to think everybody should red shirt. Right. Uh, and, and now I'm kind of I'm thinking you should probably wrestle out of the gate. You should probably wrestle out of the gate. The, the, um, the landscape t- – the landscape to me has changed a lot. Um, there was a time when I didn't, and it's kind of kind of the same reason. We'll get into the rankings in a little bit, where you can't you can't necessarily rank right. We've seen we've seen the most sure things on earth not pan out, right? The most sure things in high school come to college and not pan out. But we've also seen true freshmen that weren't blue chippers do amazing things. Mm-hmm. And I think it's been proven so often in the last five years that elite high schoolers can go as true freshmen. They can wrestle with college juniors and seniors. Absolutely. And so while there was one time when I was like, no, nah, you red shirt. You don't know. They got a red shirt. You got to get them in the room banging. You got to, they don't, you got to get adjusted to the college style. They got to get adjusted to the physicality. They got to get adjusted to making weight a bunch of times. Uh, and the curve of, and the arc of the college season. Now, um, I don't feel that way anymore, Christian. Yeah, I think, I think with good reason. I think for, for many athletes, the right decision still is to red shirt, but it is not this like, you don't redshirt, you're not gonna be ready. And and the the main thing is, if you redshirt your true freshman year, or if you don't, basically your fifth year, you, you wrestle into your first year, and then you don't get that fifth year when theoretically you've had the most experience, most time in the room, you should be better. But I just don't think that's really the case anymore. You look at guys like Miles and Jaden, and yeah, they were really good, and Kyle Snyder's really good, and Nick Suriano's gonna be really good this year, and Zane was great, but. What I think it is is, one, coaching's way better than it's ever been. So these guys are going to clubs. They're wrestling with good guys all the time. They're seeking out opportunities to wrestle with elite guys as much as possible. So coaching plus partners, these guys are going to all these tournaments, wrestling really good guys. Yeah, that's a, that's another thing. Then, then 
they graduate in June. They immediately go to school. Mm. They're banging all summer, knocking heads, getting tough. Okay, then fast forward to March. They've been there almost a year. And they're already ahead of the curve anyways because of their development and this and that. And then it's March, and you're, you're basically – you're ready to go. You're in your athletic prime, and let it rip. And, you know, Miles Martin won a, won a title as a true freshman, you know, and, and that's not going to be the last time we see that. We're going to see it again and again and again. Yeah, right? The landscape has changed, and, and um, there used to be a time where – you wrestled your high school season, and you were tested once or twice, maybe. Yeah. I mean, there was maybe only at states, uh, and maybe were, not even then. There were elite, elite guys um, that went six months without really being pushed, and so then they went to Iowa or Oklahoma State or Minnesota or wherever, and you had to question if if they were if they were ready, and maybe you know. And I think overall the coaches uh, historically did a good job with managing, you know, telling kids to redshirt, having kids redshirt. Um, But it's different now when a Miles Martin, he gets tested at Ironman, he gets tested at who's number one, or Super 32, or Fargo. He's wrestling a Mm 12-month, he's wrestling a 12-month schedule that he's pushed and pushed and pushed. And now maybe... He walks on to the campus at Columbus, and he's ready. Yeah, yeah. And another thing, another reason I think it's it's not necessarily always wise, if if you're the best guy for the weight for that team, you're – and here's the main thing. And you're healthy, go. Mm-hmm. Because what if you use that red shirt year, that first year, you go to three opens, you're practicing, you're not in that rigor, you don't get hurt, That's, and fish. Yeah. then in three years – when you when you bust up your ankle and you're hurt all year long, what it would be nice to have that red shirt flexibility, and now you don't have it. Yeah, and also, um, that that's a that's another thing too is that the red shirt year, or the or the non-starter year, even if you're a backup, is so much different than the starter year, right? I mean, the starter year you have to make weight. At tournaments, a bunch of times you have you have to make weight a, a whole heck of a lot more often. Mm-hmm. You have to be on the road a whole heck of a lot more often. Listen, when you're a red shirt, you get to stay home. You stay home when when your team's taking a bus to Purdue, right? Um, and so, let's say you're a, let's say you're a true freshman. You go to campus. You red shirt. Then you go to start the next year. You think you know what you're prepared for, but you're not because it's not like last year. It's not like that red shirt year. It's entirely different. Right, right. So, I mean, we're not, we're not out on red shirts, but I do think it's an overrated thing. You've got guys, and here's what, here's what infuriated me a couple of years back. You had uh, a program like Northwestern that was forfeiting two weights where they were redshirting high-profile guys. Mm-hmm. That – that cannot happen. You do not redshirt those guys and then just not have that weight. I mean, that 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 drove me absolutely bananas. If you got to pull a guy's redshirt, and there are other programs that did this too. I think it was Missouri a couple years ago that didn't wrestle a heavyweight when they had one redshirting. So I, I don't I don't like that look for wrestling, and I think there's too much power or too much I don't know. There, there's too much value placed 
in redshirting that I don't think is necessary. Well, like if you have a need, like I said, maybe maybe some coaches too thought the way I did is that it's best thing long term. But the landscape has changed. It's different. It's different now. Wrestle your kids. Um, if, if they're ready to go, I just think it gives you a lot of flexibility. And now, Wheeler Will, and I are going to start our own D1 team here soon. Now, talking about that segues into 125 rankings and um, and Nick Soriano, but we'll, we'll talk about the rankings themselves before, then we'll get into, we'll get into Soriano. Uh, rankings at 125, Christian. Yo. Uh, rattle them off. Oh, just just going to read read the rankings. Why not? Ah, uh, cuz that's boring. It is. I'm going to read all 20. I'm going to read all 20. No, not all of them. I mean like so Okay, start, so Thomas Gilman, number 1. Yeah, Thomas Gilman, clear number 1. There's no other option. Um he's the hands down number 1 choice, returning finalist, two-time All-American. Um you know, Tomasello's gone. You could have made a case for Tomasello at number 1 maybe, but probably not. Um so he's the number Number one. Then it, it's interesting. It's funny to me. The Joey Dance um, talk. Some people are like, Dance is way too high. Some people are like, Peter's over Dance, please. I'm like, so so we got two. Two different. Two different boats. like, wow, you nailed it with Joey. You Or you whiffed with Joey. You whiffed with Joey. All for completely different reasons. Um, Joey Dance could be ranked anywhere from two to Four or so, probably. When you consider this guy's wins, two to four, you have him three. I have him third. Um, I have him ahead of Milhoff, behind Peters. Peters, Peters got it done. He placed high at NCAs. He was fourth. Joey, you know what? Don't lose to Brandon Jeske, Joey Dance fans, and and fans that want. It, yeah, so I, I think, I think he's perfectly placed. Joey's a tough case and and um you know right off the bat 125 pound rankings you're going to roll out one a day um right off the bat the question becomes it's interesting in in, in um 125 cuz you have the two you have the two predominant prevailing questions that get asked every year when rankings come out. Number 1, do you place too much emphasis on NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Number two, do you rank freshmen, uh, true freshmen? So the first question, do you place too much or too little emphasis on NCAA performance? And that question completely applies to Joey Dance, who always has, well, who had a really good season but a really bad NCAA. So um, in, in negotiating his Wins, losses, and not where or when they occurred, you come up with three. I came up with three. And and that is always the balance you're trying to strike. Um, what You want to give more power to NCAAs, but how much? How much do you factor in that those three days in March? And that's the reason he's not number two, because you give NCAAs more weight. Because there is no way to say that— um, So you do give NCAA more weight. Yeah, I think you have to. Well, your mantra has always been no, you don't. Um, no, that, that's not necessarily true. It is the most important tournament. I'm not saying it outweighs the entire regular season. If I said the NCAAs was way more important than the entire regular season, Joey Dance would not even be in the top 10 or 12. He lost to Brandon Jeske and David Terrell. Okay? He wouldn't be in there. But because I give so much power to the regular season, um, someone like Joey Dance, who's beaten 
Thomas Gilman and Nathan Tomasello and Nico Megaludis and on and on and on. He he gets to be what? You made a face. I did make a face. What? Moisey behind Lezak, huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Lezak, yeah. I mean, maybe not. Maybe not. Is your District 11 boys battling it out? They can figure it out. Um, hey, there's three, hey. three District 11 boys in the top 12. Cruz. Cruz. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I've always... Because if you stacked up wins, elite wins versus losses, Joey Dance is ahead of Dylan Peters mm-hmm. every day of the week. I mean, his best win, Peters' best win is Milhoff, McGee, maybe? Uh, those are not. Those don't really. You know the um, that jazzed up. The Iowa message boards were making a v- really good point um, about Thomas Gilman. Listen to you. What? Sucking up. Keep going. I'm not sucking up. It's they made a good point. Uh, Thomas Gilman and I don't remember the numbers, but somebody on that board ran the numbers, and Thomas Gilman had like. I think Thomas Gilman had like the ninth most team scored the ninth most point. NCAs or something ridiculous like that. Like he really? he scored he scored more points than a lot of champs. Like he he scored vastly more points than Dean Heil. Yeah, I can see that. Dean Dean wins a lot. And of so what they're saying is, you know, you remove the Thomasellos, you remove Nico, and Thomas Gilman is going to put up a lot of bonus. I mean, you look at this field from one to twenty, and he's going to his. First round, second round, quarterfinal. He can put up some bonus, man. He's he's going to be very valuable for Iowa. Well, he needs to. I mean, that's that's what they need him for. He ha- he has to do that. Uh, yeah, maybe. But I'm he scored twenty one and a half points. That's that's a lot for a, for a third. No, he w- he was in the finals. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, for a runner up, so he, so he scored a lot more points. Oh, you know what? Part of that was, and this was kind of, he got that pin against Tomasello in sudden victory. Okay, so that's like. It's a pin, but you know. He, yeah, right. He scored five and a half bonus points. He's still gonna. He's gonna. He's gonna put up a lot. He's yeah, put up a lot. He will. He will for sure. And they, I mean, listen, you're you're going up against Jason Nolf. And I mean, Thomas Gilman has made really good wrestlers look really bad. Yeah, he's bonus good guys. Get this. You want Thomas Gilman scored twenty one and a half points. Guess how many Nico scored as the champ? Eighteen. Twenty one. Twenty one. Yeah. So fewer. However, one Zane Rutherford, <laughs> 28 and a half points. Yeah. 28 and a half points. They, he scored like, I remember doing that article. Zane and Nolf. That's like three All-Americans. Zane and Nolf like, placed like eighth as a team or something ridiculous. Uh, so Jordan Conway got sixth. Okay, he scored nine. St. Rutherford was first. He scored three times at 28.5, over three times. Not to mention Nolf with his 22. Nolf's maybe the best bonus artist in, in the country right now. A lot of people forget that. They do? Well, maybe I mean, not. They, do. they don't really. So, All right, so 125. 125. Pretty standard. You, you think Lezak. Uh, so here's Lezak's wins. Connor Schramm, All-American. Barlow McGee. Josh Rodriguez, Josh Martinez, Joe D'Angelo. So those are pretty good wins. I got you. I mean, I don't, I'm not going to argue too much on it. It just kind of jumped out the page at me, Lee Zach Moisey. I don't know. Yeah, Zeke had that great scuffle. It's tough. Zeke was gone. 
We didn't see him. Right. I mean, he's for sure at 25 again. Let me ask you two questions. Zeke, Zeke's for sure at 25 again, and Fa- I thought you said Foz got big or something. He, Yeah, Foz didn't get big. He's been big. He's But he's back at 25. Well, eventually. they. I think that's the Alleg- hope. Allegedly. Allegedly, eventually, hopefully. Okay, so f- and four guys, let's mention four guys that um, haven't been in the rankings or weren't in the rankings at the end of the year, rounding out the top 20. Elijah Oliver, mm-hmm. Freddie Rodriguez, Sean mm-hmm. Russell, and Jeske. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, Piccinini's in here, too. Yeah, Pitch is in there. Look for him to climb, for sure. Lezak kind of snuck up on me. I didn't realize how how good he was the last two years. He's been he's been solid. All right, so let's move on to... Okay, well, we got to get to our Soriano point. Oh, Nikki. Now, it's a tricky thing. And to most rankers, it's a, it's a hands-off thing. You don't rank true freshmen. And has anybody posed the question to you yet? Where would you rank Lezak, or where would you rank Soriano if you were ranking him? I, you cannot rank the. I people have asked me that question, Billy. But where would you rank him if that's you the, could? That's but the I, only no. acceptable. The only acceptable answer is you can't. I don't have no. I have no response to that. How how would you rank? How would how do you rank someone that is zero and zero, in something? You don't rank them. Well, where would I predict? He would finish, which is not a ranking. That's not a ranking. That's it's a not a ranking. It's a prediction. Um, I would predict him to finish in the top three or four, probably, and with a shot at maybe making the finals. I think he's gonna be that good. And all all you people worried about Nick Serrano's ranking, he's gonna wrestle Connor Stram like November seventeenth, and he's gonna beat him, and then he'll be ranked in the top ten in the first two or three weeks of his career. Shram's ranked fifth right now. So pump the brakes on the just outrage. Relax. Like, this happened with Snyder, and he was top ten by, like, November 9th. It's, it's really just not even not, – not worth getting worked up about. It'll be fine. It'll be just fine. Okay, so you, you don't rank him, but you predict him. AA. All right, moving on to 33, and this is going to be um, interesting to me because this is the first time I put my eyes on them. I didn't look at them yet. Um, so I just got to look at it. Clark Tomasello. Richards, Montoya, Hall, Gross. Gross that high, huh? I think so. I mean, he, I I agree. It's high for Seth Gross. He but, was but then you lo- 14th to end this season last year. And then you look, it, it, it's jarring to see Seth Gross that high. And then you look behind him and you're like, oh, oh, this is what's left. Three very, very interesting guys immediately following Seth Gross. Cade Brock, huh. Devon Micic and Jared Cortez. Exactly. So those are three. Cade Brock had barely even half a season of competition where he looked great. He did awesome. Only he never really lost. He, he kind of lost to Nashawn Garrett. He was going to lose that match. And then he got hurt. Season ended. But he beat Cody Brewer. He beat, um, I think, Josh, Ra- Josh Ra- Martinez and Gary Wayne Harding. So he had a nice season, but it wasn't like as full and robust as, as Seth Gross. He didn't go a full year. Stevan Stevan Micic, we haven't seen him in a year. Um, a year ago, when he was wrestling at Northwestern, he beat Yutsi, Tarau, and, and Mines twice. So he was good, but he also had a loss to Nathan Boston in there. And Jared Cortez, good last year, beat Conaway, his teammate Jeff Alexander, Scott Parker, and Del Vecchio. So really, I don't think That's, any of them have. None, the, none of those guys have a really robust resume. No. You know, no, they have a str- strong one, but not not one that, that puts you past a, a round of twelve guy who was pretty good all year long in Seth Gross. Now, 
remember, these are rankings. These are not my predictions. It's not necessarily how I feel. You give me Stefan Micic, Seth Gross, I will take Stefan Micic. I might take Cade Brock over over Seth, but I think Seth has earned the the sixth spot. And while it feels high, if you look behind him, I think you can you can make sense of it. Okay, um, Earl at five. Earl, the twelfth year senior. Twelfth year senior. Uh, finishing up that PhD. That makes me think about Iowa State. They got a lot. They got a log jam of prospects in the lighter weights. Um, Earl being the senior, but then they have, you know, Boston in that, in that range. Pup Simmons in that range. You got a, you got a forecast on their lineup or not? I I don't. I believe that Kyle Larson will be there twenty five. I think that Earl Hall will be there thirty three, and forty one. You know, maybe Nathan Boston, and Dante Rodriguez battle it out. John Meeks is back. Um, so that's how I see it go. I don't know. May, can Pup Simmons make 125? I don't think so. But if he could, that would probably be an upgrade over Larson. Is I don't know. You could probably tell me more about Pup, but I've watched him some. I think he's pretty good. I think he's good. But He's a great kid. I, I don't know where he fits in, in that mix. So, yeah, they're, you know, tough teams. Sometimes you have good guys on the bench, and I think that's what's going to happen with Iowa State. And you know what? They're not – once Earl's gone, they're, I don't think all their problems are going to be so, – not problems, but I think they're still going to find themselves really deep at a lot of weights with some good guys on the bench. Okay. Um, Corey Clark – how many points did Corey Clark score last year? Like 17 or something like that. Um, look it up. I'll look it up. So you have – 17. 17. Gilman and Clark, number ones back-to-back to start off the Hawkeye lineup. Yeah, I mean, but that's Iowa, right? Like, they, how many years straight have they started off 25-33? Going back to McDonough-Ramos, and before that, uh, Charlie Falk, Dan Dennis. Um, they, they've, they've had 25-33 strong for years. And yeah, I'm it's just saying. Been, I it, mean, it's nice to start off with number one, number one. You know, I know. I guess. Yeah, of course, of course. I mean, better than the alternative, right? But I guess my point is, we've seen this before. We've seen them be strong at these two weights, and those two have not been enough to carry them to a title. I, yeah, I'm not saying that. since I'm just since saying. 2000. What 10? 2010. I'm just saying. I lo- I'd like my team to start off with number one, number one. That's pretty darn. I'd like to have Zane Rutherford and Jason Nolf, I guess is my point. Um, Yeah, I I wasn't talking. Yeah, I know. I I know what you're saying. But, yeah, Iowa starts it off very strong, number ones at both spots. Um, And we've already kind of talked about how I feel about 33 in terms of Tomasello. But do you want to get into the the idea of of weights – you know, guys, a, a lot of people... The bump. The bump up. When guys go up a weight, the reaction is and the instinct for many people. And it's... Me. You. And it makes no sense. The idea that someone bumping up, well... I'm old. You, you scale them back. You lower their expectations. When at worst, there's, there's uh. absolute... At worst, there's no evidence whatsoever that moving up in a weight has adverse reactions. So if anything, you should just treat them equally. But there is strong evidence evidence that it should actually be uh, 
a, a difference maker to their gain that bumping up helps people. And I just happened to look at one weight one time last night, 133, because people were talking like, Tomasello at two ahead of Richards, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, let's look at 133 a year ago. 25, the 33 finals, both those guys bumped up from 25. And then six of the eight All-Americans all bumped up from 125. Six of the eight All-Americans at 33 last year were former 125s, guys. Yes. So wake up. It's not a bad thing to bump up. If anything, it's a good thing. But worst case scenario, just treat them evenly and just evaluate their bodies of work at 25 versus Zane Richards' body work at 33. Nathan Tomasello's is clearly better in, in every measurement possible. At arguably tougher weights, he has better wins. It's more consistent, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Of course, he's ahead of Zane Richards. And the uh, fact that he's moving up is actually evidence further to the fact that he should be considered higher than Zane Richards. Because he's moving up? You, you could say that. The data, is more, the data is more aligned with that than it's aligned with someone moving up having trouble. Well, did you analyze every kid that moved up, or did you analyze every kid that moved up in AA? Well, I've, I tracked this for years, so I have a strong idea of what happens when guys move up, and it's all, it's, you know, maybe this. I, know, I mean, hey, in my rankings, in high school rankings, and people always complain, not always, but some people complain about it. I, when a kid moves up, and it happened this week with rankings too, but when a kid moves up, I make them prove it at that weight first. For what reason? Because they didn't prove it at that weight. If you have a guy, let's say if you have a guy at 145 that has wrestled well at 145, and you have a guy that's 32 or 38 moving up to 145, and they have about the same resumes, I'm taking the guy at 145 because well, you he's said they wrestled have about, at that weight. You said they have about the same resumes. Well, so I would assume that you have some sort of a, a statistical analysis at, that, that suggests when guys move up, they struggle. Right? There's a reason you do this. No, uh, no, I don't have some statistical analysis. I know that one guy has proven it at that weight, and I know the other guy has not proven it at that weight. Well, they, they don't. This guy, oh, what this, guy, the, this guy dominates 132. All right, well, he's wrestling 145 now. Uh, yeah, I don't see what that matters. I mean, it's a, wrestling, if you're, if you're beating elite guys here, you're going to be elite at another weight. Wh- who's, who's, who's gone up in weight? I'm, I'm asking this honestly. Who's gone up? I mean, everyone's gone up and had success. Well, just the way that, just the way you say that a true freshman has to prove it. I think you have to prove no, it. No, I don't think that's the same thing at all because a true freshman, how you wrestled at the Beast of the East and New Jersey State Championships is not like NCAA competition. This is high school wrestling, high school wrestling against high school wrestling. I'm, okay, but they're not proven. Okay, so why don't you th- – it's the same thing. You, you say you won't – rank true freshmen because they haven't competed in that field. Well, if you go from 32 to 45, you haven't competed in that field either. But you've competed in the same competitions. You've done the same things. You're competing against... Against not that group of you're kids. You're competing... High school. Maybe that field is better. Maybe it is, but it hasn't been proven yet. So why... So you don't even know which field... But you're... Uh, you're, you're def- I'm talking about you're def- You're defaulting to... You're defaulting to the higher weight being tougher. Which is completely not the case at all. No, it's not. And right. also, I think as you move up, it gets easier. I think a guy that goes from 38 to. So you know, why would you, you do those that? Guys, you see those guys grow, uh, you know. So why do you do that there then? There was no doubt in my mind that Zahid Valencia was going to be fine at 82. Uh huh. So why do you. So why. 
Because you have to prove it. I'm not just going to say why, I'm why guessing. Should, why should it work? I'm guessing. I'm guessing that. No, I'm you're guessing, not guessing anything. I'm guessing that the field. You know, I'm guessing that the fields get weaker as you go up in weight. So I'm going to. I'm guessing over rank him. I, I'm going to rank him before it's. You're proven. guessing to the opposite. You're guessing to the opposite. You're guessing that this guy coming up in a weight. No, no, I'm making him prove it before I put him past a proven commodity. Is he not a proven commodity down two weights? He's a proven commodity at 132. He's not a proven commodity at, say, 145. Oh, bananas to me. You, you, talk to your, you explain why you shouldn't do something. You do it anyways. It makes no sense. There's no, there's no rationale. That is rooted in, in anything other than Christian. If you wrestled one forty five, slaughter, and you were you know you were proven and you're the number one guy, and I come up from one thirty two. Okay, who well, should I'm, be ranked higher? The guy that proved it at one forty five, or the guy that did not prove it at one forty five? He proved it at one thirty two. Well, are all things exactly equal? They all won the exact same number. Look of at times? okay, Nickley Vito. Nickley Vito. Yes. Who's number one? I put Nick Lee. Uh, who's coming up in weight? Vito? Vito. Well, Nick Lee. Vito's, I, Vito's coming up. Vito's coming well, up hold on. two weights. Those two aren't equal. I mean, look look at the guys Nick Lee has beaten. Of course Vito. How would Vito be ahead of him? I mean, it's a, they're pretty close resumes. Okay. I really don't know. They're really close. So I know I know Vito's I mean, beaten Caden. He's beaten Sasso. Vito's, Vito's, Vito's wins are... Uh, number one, Dayton Fix. Number three, oh, yeah. number three, Sammy Sasso. Number two, Caden Gefeller. <laughs> I mean, he's beaten ones, twos, and threes, right? What's Nick Lee's best win? Mm, Mitch McKee. That's right. But also, he's beaten college guys, though. Can't store. He has. Yeah, he beat some college guys. Nick he, Lee at he, juniors. He, he did. did? Uh huh. He had a, a terrific, terrific uh, juniors. Ju- was he at trials or was this both. At, at the? Oh wow, I don't know. I don't. That should stand out to me. Both. But. So I mean, they have pretty close resumes. <laughs> you can say that. Nick, okay. You can say that Nick Lee beat some college guys, okay. but that's tough to gauge. And and um, Nick Lee has done it at a higher weight. No, listen, Vito is going. Vito is going from one twenty six. He's going up two weight classes. Mm-hmm. Well, what I, I guess what I'm saying is <laughs> resume to resume, win to win, Nathan Tomasello or Zane Richards, regardless of weight. Who's, who's accomplished that's, more and who's done more? That, yeah, but that's not what we're No, saying. no, but just answer, answer that question. Oh, uh, Tomasello's been ultra okay. more consistent. So I guess, I, guess, I guess what I'm saying is they're not equal. Nick Lee and Vito might be equal. They might be equal. And then, okay. and that I can I can buy that rationale. I'm just saying, in my case, and this is what I've been laboring on. I, you know, you've been laboring on a thing like that. You've been, you know, you've been working on uh, who should get ranked higher, Tomasello or or Richards. I've been losing sleep over Nick Lee and and Vito. Nick Lee also beat Taylor Lamont, but I don't see any call it Lincoln Olson. You know, maybe that was the one. Um, but anyways, pretty. Pretty strong resume there for Nick Lee. Also be Jose Rodriguez. Yeah, that's, col- I'm, that's a college guy. That's a couple college And guys. Josh Terrell. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's Nick Lee guy. So, yeah, I think his win- wins are probably better than, than Vito's. So, um, anywho, Willie. 
I guess, it's, I guess it's time to, to skedaddle. We can do this again Thursday? You know it. Where are you going to wear? I don't know. Probably a tie. Bow tie, maybe. Probably a bow hey, tie. Hey, yeah, we can do it Thursday, but I leave Thursday night for who's number one, brother. What do you leave? Friday. Come on. Friday afternoon. Remember Daddy's with Donuts? Duh. We yeah, thank you guys. Daddy's with Donuts. We thank you guys so much for tuning in to Flow Wrestling Radio Live. Stay tuned to Flow. We got a lot of who's number one stuff. Tickets. Up for sale. Just click, head to the website. Click any who's number one they're piece of content. Good. Tickets are selling it. good. They're going. They're going to be gone pretty soon. So make sure you get them. Thanks again, and uh, we will see you next time. Later, guys.